Hey, what's up? This is Christopher Stolle of Realm of the Mist Entertainment. The podcast you are listening to is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com. That's s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and information on those shows, as well as information and an ability to contact publicist Steve Joyner for more information. Just go to the website and check out the family, ladies and gentlemen. Until then, enjoy the show. Hungry Trilobite Podcast would like to acknowledge conventions such as WeedonCon. WeedonCon is a fan-generated charity event for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, Firefly, and all Joss Whedon creations. It is scheduled for October of 2020 and is held in Los Angeles, California. Portion of the proceeds benefit the Los Angeles LGBT Center as well as the Ron Glass Memorial Scholarship. See details at WeedonCon.com. Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today we're going to welcome performing artist and comedian Polly Esther, who wants to talk about many things, including her love of Star Trek and her one-woman show, Damn It Jim. And I'm going to ask you to hang on at the very end, because Polly has been gracious enough to give us a quick preview of this show, and I'm going to put that at the end of the episode. In the meantime, let's get started. On mic today, we are welcoming a performer named Polly Esther. How are you doing this fine day? I am great. I'm happy here in Toronto, Canada. You're looking fantastic, and I <laughs> love your backdrop there. <laughs> I forgot to ask, is this audio or can people see me as well? They will be able to see you. Excellent. So this, if I if I move the laptop in, these are, as we'll be talking about, uh, these are uh, leftover postcards I have from uh, my One Woman show that I toured around. And so uh, like we're all doing in quarantine, we're doing different things. And so I thought, hey, why don't I create a backdrop <laughs> with a bunch of my leftover postcards? And then uh and this is what happens. And and so I've now like warhauled myself. <laughs> That's a lot of postcards. It is. And this is it's it's like there's I know there's the glare, that's the ceiling, and then the side, and then and I still have some uh leftover. <laughs> uh touring life. It, it I get you, I get you. So your one woman show, that is something that is what brought you to my attention more than anything else. <laughs> Uh, you created a one-woman show in the Canada, in Toronto, was it? Um, I did, yeah. Born and right, I've lived my whole life here in uh, Toronto. And, uh, yeah, it's called Damn It, Jim. I'm a comedian, not a doctor. And this show documents your personal journey through, among other things, your Trek life and your life as a fan, which That's intersects correct. in a lot of ways with your personal life, which is far more dramatic and far less fun. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Basically, the the elevator pitch uh, for the show, because you have to have one when you're flyering those uh, crowds, is uh, um, it's basically how Star Trek has helped me in my journey as a recovering alcoholic. So the first half of the show is me talking about my life and how all that came to be. And then all of a sudden, uh, 2013 is when I dove into Star Trek. <laughs> Which is remarkable because as a rabid fan, you're kind of a relative newcomer. And I don't say that's oh, yeah. No, 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 totally. 
but you and when you lay out the timeline of how you got into everything you basically did 30 years worth of viewing in a year and a half two years yeah two years <laughs> yeah pretty nuts and what amazed me and again not to disparage anything mm -hmm. but you your kickoff point was the 2009 movie this yeah it's this is something that's really interesting to hear because it was because uh i talk about star wars i was a mm -hmm. star wars person star wars was my first love sitting in the theaters in 1977 and seeing it and it just changed everything for me um and had no Star Trek. I didn't have any interest. I never did next gen or anything like that. And then it was um, just seeing the 2009 JJ Abrams film that I had no interest in, but I went and uh, it had the effect on me just like uh, Star Wars did in 1977, not knowing what I was in for. And just um, there's so much more in the show uh, but it was just like, I, I got the magic of cinema and the spark back inside of me and that's what kicked it all off. But I didn't start watching Star Trek until after watching, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness in 2013. So it all started after that. So it still took another four years, but then jumped right in. <laughs> Your commentary on that, of how that movie just hits you like a ton of bricks was, I I don't know if I've ever seen somebody love that movie quite that much. And I like the movie. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan, but I'm a big fan who watched it after being a fan for 20 years. And this was the next thing. Correct. Yeah. You were like, this was a, a whole new life for you. Yeah, it was. And in, in the show, I guess to briefly sum it up, I, uh, cause it was at the age of six, I discovered like the magic and power of cinema through Star Wars. And then that became everything for me. And then um, uh, unfortunately life wasn't great. And I married somebody who wasn't uh, a good person. Um, that's where I started drinking. Um, and it was basically, we saw movies all of the time because we, we had met at Cineplex and it was just like literally at the cinemas every single day, seeing multiple movies a day. And so this was, it took the magic of cinema away from me. Cause now I was like, it, it's a weird thing to say you're being forced to watch movies, but it was just like, I, I had no control and it was just a, a really bad situation, but I saw a lot of, <laughs> I saw a lot of world cinema. Um, and so then after I, uh, left my marriage, um, I really didn't go to movies anymore. I just tried to like start a new life for myself. And I went to Second City and um, just tried to get my confidence basically for the first time in my life. And, uh, and so movie, going to the cinema and watching movies became like a really rare occurrence. So going to see Star Trek 2009 in the cinema. So it's like, hey, it'll look good on the big screen, special effects, that'll be cool. And just totally, totally was the, the not the um, experience I was expecting. And it just brought me back to, I literally walked out of there feeling like I was six years old in 1977 again. It reminded me of everything that I love. And it was, it was, so it was really cool. And so a lot of people are like, really, that's the film. But then when I explain it, they're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And because I hadn't been, I hadn't been watching Star Trek at all. So none of the, none of the series. Um, and then I guess by that point, 
enterprise had finished like five years earlier, I think. So I, yeah, I hadn't seen any of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can definitely count on that because my first experience to Star Trek was the animated series on Nickelodeon in the mm. mid 80s, which I enjoyed mm-hmm. as a little kid and thought it was a cool cartoon. But it wasn't until I'd sat down with Star Trek three one day and realized there was a whole world here that I had to sink my teeth into that was more than just that cartoon. I, I like to mention that, you know, when I'm this big Trekkie and I'm wearing a Trek shirt and I have a Trek room here and I've got walls of stuff. And, and it's like, there was this day that my friend handed me Star Trek three on a laser disc and said, <laughs> have you ever seen Star Trek? I think you might like it. <laughs> and my life changed on that day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was your Bible. (laughs) It's like, do you know about the teachings of Spock? (laughs) Yeah, totally. I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing my um, uh, Kira shirt today as the freedom fighter that I got uh, as, as one of the first, um, when they were starting the campaign for uh, uh, the Deep Space Nine documentary, this was in that first uh, perk thing. If you, pay, I can't remember how much money it was, like eighty-five or something. And it was just like you'd get your name in the credits, and then this T-shirt, and then a copy, like a hard copy of the disc and a digital copy. And I was just like, I need that. So this was the only place you could find the T-shirt at that time. And so, uh, and I and I don't really, and I hadn't really donated to any um, Kickstarter things before, but I did this, and of course, the documentary finally came out and was amazing. And of course, I pause <laughs> to see my name in the credits, and I'm like, "Hey, there's me." There you go. So, yeah, I'm so, gonna have to look for that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna be under like E for Esther or P. Do they the alphabetize the, the last name or because you can do both? Some some people mm-hmm. do both. <laughs> but I I love how when you're going through, uh, and you you talk about how you got the tools to bring people together through Star Trek, how um, and, and I'm not in the business of giving spoilers. I don't want to break this out for anybody who can't see your show or hasn't seen it. But you talk about setting up an AA meeting at the Star Trek convention. And you realize that you actually have the ability to, to bring people together and bond people together for a really noble purpose, to help mm-hmm. people. And that's something that doesn't get enough play in the outside world, outside of our little community. Mm-hmm. And it's it's basically what the it's what I learned. I mean, I talk about um, because it was it was AA that really that helped me. Like I'm actually today I'm 12 years, 10 months sober on August 13th. Um, so two months till 13 years, which is like pretty crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, like I never want to. I talk a lot about AA in the show, and I never want to preach it or shove it down anybody's throat because there are other um recovery um outlets out there to help people and it a was the one that helped me and i just try to talk about it just to show that there there is a way but i do understand i didn't go to it for years because i didn't think i had a problem um but then when i realized i did that was obviously the first place i went but i just i talk about it to hopefully make people realize because it's like i the motto is like you are not alone and it's just like yeah and we're not alone in the universe it's like i say like we're we're one big federation like it's our 
it's really our duty to look after one another and everything. And so that's, so I learned that the stuff that I, so it ended up being kind of a really interesting thing that it was like AA that came into my life first and then Star Trek. And then all of a sudden, like, as I'm watching the shows, I'm like, there's a lot of like similar things. Like this is like reminding us that there are differences, you know, like different species and blah, blah, and all this stuff. But I mean, like the, the, we have our prime directive and, you know, we really should do like, you know, what we can to, to be there for one another. And that's something that I think even outside of addiction circles, our fandom is struggling with that a little bit in, mm-hmm. you know, the social media is taking over our lives. And that leads to a lot of people not trying to be on the same team. It leads to a lot of tribalism. It leads to a lot of toxicity. And yeah. I don't have the answer. No, I don't. It's like there's there's people, obviously there's people who um, are just violently opposed to the Kelvin timeline, mm-hmm. to the stuff that brought me into it. And it's just, I, I, it's like because I came into it so late, it's just like, well, it's all Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and but I understand like people who were, watching it when it was like the original series in 1966 and then all of a sudden 20 years later you've got next generation they're like wait a minute wait a minute you can't you there's only one star trek you can't do this and then just the anger and vitriol and all that stuff and then and then with each new one and then obviously now uh what was it like 13 years after enterprise ends discovery and no 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 wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute this isn't this isn't star trek and this isn't canon and all this stuff and it's just like can if you it's and I know you're gonna <laughs> totally agree. If you don't like the show, don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Keep like all you're doing is exerting all of this energy and spewing hate about it over and over again. Just don't watch it and keep watching like TOS. There's nothing wrong with that. If this is what you love, this is totally fine. I don't know why you're going out of your way to to say that. This isn't for me. It's all Star Trek. It's all mm-hmm. Star Trek. It, I, but for me, my my thing is a lot different because it's it's also um, why I love. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say why I love all of Star Wars except for the prequels. <clears throat> Sorry, <laughs> but <clears throat> even you know the last trilogy with the Force Awakens, uh, the 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 Force Awakens, the Last Jedi, and the Rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> It's all it's all Star Wars to me. Last Jedi is one of my favorite Star Trek. Star Wars, oh my gosh. They're all just Star Wars films. <clears throat> just because it's it's all about the message for me. Like people are like, that's Luke wouldn't do that and all this stuff. And I'm like, if you really look at it, the, what you're seeing on the screen is, but this is what the movie is. And it's all about the message. And I say this in my show. I say like I end the show and I say, Princess Leia told me that there's always hope. And that's that's what I hold on to. That's why I keep going, you know, every day, just staying sober for one more day and everything. And it's just like, for me, it's always about the message and how something um, touches me personally. So when I see people like having these horrific arguments about like both Star Wars and Star Trek, it's just... It's, you know, excuse the pun, very alien to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I don't, you know, it's like, I, it's, it's like I'm, it's like I'm sitting in the, uh, in the, 
in the room with the Zindi, <laughs> right? If I'm going to do a Star Trek quote, like hearing everybody like arguing, but it's just, I just, I don't understand it. It's just like, if you don't like this, then don't, then don't watch it and let other people enjoy it. And then vice versa. Like there's some people are like, oh, I only like the new stuff. I don't like the old stuff. Okay, that's fine. Like there's no reason to like, like belittle people and demean them or shame them for how they feel. And it's really interesting coming into this like so late, like 2013 to 2015 is the block where I watched all of it. And then doing the, the two Las Vegas conventions in 2015 and 2016. Um, and then, uh, then I'm only just really getting on to, I've been on Twitter for a long time, but I never really understood it. But in quarantine, <laughs> I'm now on it all the time. And it's just, it's really interesting to see. There's a lot of good things out there. Um, and then there's a lot of like really ugly things. And it just baffles my mind. And it's just, it just makes me, it's like, if you're a real Star, if you're a real Star Trek fan, it's like, what are the, principles of the federation like it's like be, be kind to others like just like we're all in this together and um, it's you know it's a really weird thing it, it is and i i'm going to really kind of call out some fans in this regard without using names or even pointing fingers but star trek has raised itself on the ideals of tolerance and diversity Mm-hmm. And we are very good at respecting people who look different than us. We are very good at respecting people who have a different lifestyle than us. We need more practice at respecting people who think differently than us. Mm-hmm. And yet that's, it's just an area where we're lagging behind and it's time to take a good look at that. Totally. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't either. And I just think that, that some people have the, the notion that beliefs and thoughts are something that we have to be lockstep in because we have the right answer hmm. and they're, they're not seeing that that's just as damaging as saying, I'm going to leave these people out because they look different than me. I'm going to leave these people out because they have a different lifestyle than me. Mm-hmm. That's no, no. Did I stutter? Yeah. Okay. Diversity and tolerance comes in all flavors. Now, it doesn't mean you have to agree with people. It doesn't even mean you have to like people. You can you can dislike somebody all day long, but you have to be able to say, we're on the same team, we're on the same crew, let's do what we got to do together. Yeah, we don't share the same opinion, but mm-hmm. I respect that that's your opinion, mm-hmm. as I would expect you to respect my opinion, and there we go. Mm-hmm. But hey, we agree on the same baseball team. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's just, I saw um, when, when Comic-Con was um, doing their, you know, at home virtual panels, I, I came across and I won't, I won't name it <laughs> either, but I came across this, uh, it's a, it's a Twitter account that also has a YouTube channel and it was, uh it was, it was this guy and it was just the stuff coming out. It's just saying like, uh, uh, Star Trek isn't for the fans anymore. And just the stuff coming out of his mouth was just putrid. And he's saying, oh yeah, Alex Kurtzman, you know, is now using Star Trek as a platform. And that's not what Star Trek is. And I'm like, 
yeah, but this is you using Star Trek as a platform for mm-hmm. what you're saying. And then he's saying, this isn't what Star Trek is about and just going on and on. And then doing like, even like a snippet of Patrick Stewart's talking. And then he's saying, and this was, this is what I was praying for when Picard finally came out. I'm like, everything that Picard has gone through, he's like, been through so much i mean like obviously he was like part of the borg collective he got sarek's um memories in him and going through all of his emotions just everything he's been through um he's like uh he's not like a shell of a man but he's he's a bit broken right Mm -hmm. and obviously and then losing his brother and his nephew and knowing the line the picard line ends with him it's just this a lot to carry and so when Picard started, it was just like, I, I loved seeing that he was, uh, he wasn't in Starfleet and then he was struggling to deal with, I mean, we found out eventually what happened with like the androids and everything. Um, but it was just like, yeah, this, this is a very realistic thing. And I'm glad that they, uh, excuse my language, they had the balls to acknowledge this and actually, deal with this and and then so step forward to this like you know patrick stewart talking about you know talking about stuff like this in the and he's doing like this snippet of it and then he comes back and he goes oh you know what you're looking you know isn't patrick stewart looking like a little tired and like you know disappointed himself like maybe he should like shut up and all this stuff and i'm like this is like why are you taking this personal and why are you not like willing to if you don't agree with it that's fine but like if you're a true star trek fan you've seen the progression of this character over time you may not agree with it but it's just like no this is this this makes a lot of sense and i'm really Mm -hmm. glad that they're just like not like dismissing like the entire history of this character i thought it was absolutely incredible and i commend them for doing that but it was weird and then he just goes on and i watched the whole Thing, which is almost 13 minutes and I'm, I'm like literally like <laughs> clutching and I'm like I don't understand how somebody has this opinion and then of course I'm looking through the comments on this YouTube video which don't don't read the comments people but I'm looking and all of these people are agreeing with him and I'm like and these are the people that are just spewing so much hate and I'm like if you don't he's like this isn't Roddenberry's vision this isn't this and then I'm like okay so just stick to watching the original series and there's nothing wrong with that at all. I have a lot of friends that are like, I don't like these ones, but I watch this, but we're friends because they're like, I love what Star Trek means to you, Polly, and what you get from it. And and that's why we're friends, because they, they can acknowledge it. So it's just this really weird thing to come into Star Trek so late and then just see, and especially now that we're all at home <laughs> getting this out. It's a very... Talk about discovery. <laughs> it's... it's uh, <laughs> It's um, it's really weird. I'm wondering if if I travel 900 years into the future, are we still going to be, are these people still going to be sitting there <laughs> and bitching about, you know, stuff? Probably. I. It's weird. I mean, I just have to start off. I, whatever that person says, although I don't agree with their take on the show at all, I'm not going to deprive them of the right to say this is how I feel, this is what I thought when I saw it, and this is why I'm not going to watch it anymore. Yes. That's them. I, they get that, and they're, they're entitled to that. But just to, to back that truck up for a second here, the idea that, 
having Picard start his show a bit of a broken man and assuming it's something new, I have to ask if you've been paying attention because thank you. <laughs> you start off with with the original series and it was everything it was. It started this huge fan fan frenzy that resulted in movies almost a decade later. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not like they, they finished the show and they said, hey, let's start production on the movie. They p- finished the show, they buried it, and the fan demand was so much that a decade later, mm-hmm. they started making movies, which was unheard of in the yeah. 70s and 80s. Today, it's like Tuesday. But no, in the 70s and <laughs> 80s, you did not do that. Yeah. And they started off, okay, we'll, we'll just gloss over the first movie because it was its own thing. They started <laughs> off wrapping shots. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm still watching it somewhere. <laughs> But the first movie starts off with Kirk old, like pissing and moaning at his birthday old, realizing he's got a kid he's estranged from, realizing a, 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 a mission that he didn't think about twice since the day it happened has backfired horribly and mm-hmm. has a body count behind it now, realizing that his career is in shambles because of some things he did in his careless younger days. That is life. That's the characters you embrace. And they're having saying, man, 20 years later, there's consequences. And man, those decisions I made came back to bite me. Mm-hmm. And so we jump from next gen to Picard. And it's like, oh, we did this again. Okay. Do you see a pattern here? Do, do, okay. Yeah. I, you get where I'm coming from, but I'm just amazed yeah. that somebody else doesn't make this connection. Exactly. And it's it's continuity and it's people paying attention and they're like, this isn't canon. I'm like, I, I don't I don't want to hear that word anymore, but it is because mm-hmm. it's continuing. This is what he would be like. And if you, you know, if you have a very lovely, luxurious life where you have no troubles, then, you know, bless your heart. <laughs> That's a really lovely thing. But the rest of us, uh, we've all been broken in our lives. We've all struggled. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are struggling now. And it's just like to see, um, it is a show set in like space, but it's still bringing realism and stuff that we can truly connect with. And I understand that there's a lot of people that just want escapism and entertainment, which is also what this guy was saying. And I agree if that's what you want and that's what you get out of it. That's totally fine. I have no problem with it. It was the fact that he was like, really really like he was at a rally and like really angry at the fact that they're using this as a platform when he was doing the exact same thing to like spew all this stuff it was very ironic and just Mm -hmm. very it was just it's it's like i said it's like if you don't like it then don't watch it but of course they're going to keep watching it and keep bitching about it which i don't i don't get that's the part i don't get it's like if if you're just gonna sit there and be angry for an hour, you know, then why <laughs> watch the Toronto Maple Leafs play hockey? <laughs> I can say that because I've been in Toronto my whole life. We're used to them not, you know, losing in the playoffs. It's we're it's so so I'll watch it and I'll know that they'll lose and I'll be like, why did I just watch that? You know, because there's because there's always hope. <laughs> That's the thing, Princess Leia. But it's just. I don't get it. And it's just like, what, what's that? And if you're saying this isn't Roddenberry's vision, it's like, but that's the, he created the Federation to show that we all need to be 
together and find what connects us. Mm-hmm. And it's just the fact that it gets totally lost. It just baffles my mind. So I, I just try, like I do my show and I just talk about how it affects me personally, what I discovered from it and how I just, I just want to be there for my fellow, you know, humans and possible aliens if they want to come down and say hi to that's all good <laughs> well you're doing this show and now i have to wonder because i wasn't there i saw a video of it from the united states i don't know what kind of room it was in how many people were watching this show and of those people how many were trekkies because you're explaining so much i have to wonder how are you reading the room it's really interesting because actually the the video I sent was from the Ottawa Fringe Festival last year. Um, that at that show there was uh, it was a late show. There was probably about thirty five people there. It's just like one of the small rooms of the Fringe. Um, but I started doing this. I did it the very first time in um, November of twenty fourteen in uh, uh, in New York City. So I did it at a festival there um, and then only, and then I did it three times in one year going back, like doing it once in Toronto and then going back to New York again in November of 2016. And then I did nothing with it for a year and a half until I got into the Orlando Fringe Festival. Um, and that's where it really grew into um, what it was today. And so it was really having done, because the, the 2015 version I did, I'd only been to the, I'd only seen everything for the two years and been to one Las Vegas convention. So then the 2016 version was updated because I had gone back for the 50th anniversary of Star Trek and uh, had the AA meeting in my room at the end of the convention. So it became a totally different show. Um, uh, And then um, I didn't do anything with it for a year and a half because I, my depression hit me hard um, and I wasn't able to fight it off. And then all of a sudden I'm in the Orlando fringe and I'm back on stage. And instead of just doing one performance, I'm doing a run of like eight shows in 13 days, which was nuts. And uh, I didn't have the show where I wanted to. So I basically developed it in front of the audience um, at the, at the fringe. And sometimes there would be a lot of Trek fans in the audience. And sometimes it would just be a regular group of people just wanting to see a show it ended up getting good buzz so i ended up getting really good crowds but um i actually um not many performers do this but i actually i don't really have a script i've got i know the show because i've done it so many times now but i go organically with what the audience is giving me so if there's a lot more star trek fans i'll throw in more references and if and like a couple of funny lines um, so that they'll get it. And then if it's like a Sunday crowd and people are just sitting there, <laughs> which is what Sunday crowds tend to do, then I'll, I'll go a different route. So I'm saying the same thing, but the energy changes and they'll just try to get more of like my message and my feelings out as opposed to talking about specific Star Trek things. And that was a really, it the, the year and a half that I took off from the show, um, even though it was because of my depression, it actually helped the show because it could sit with me, even though I wasn't thinking about it a lot, it sat with me. Um, and I realized that the, 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 the first times I did it, it was about characters from the show that I connected with. So I, you know, I, I had the action figures on stage with me. So it was like, this is Worf. He's my, he's my service Klingon, which I have 
I, I literally have like a work action figure that I take with me if I'm not having a good day so that he's with me. But I had, you know, like um, I've got them all over there, like, you know, Cisco and Loxwana uh, and um, and uh, and Captain Dathan, because like I talk about communication when you're you're unable to express yourself to another human being. So that's what I got out of, you know, Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. So I'm talking about this, but it was mostly about the characters that affected me and what I saw from my traits and personalities in Star Trek. And after the show, like people, they said they would really like it. Um, but it was, it was basically like a lot of them saying, Oh, I've never watched Star Trek. So um, I didn't get a lot of what you were saying, but I thought you were really entertaining. And so like, I was like, Oh, I'm not reaching everybody. And then I don't want it to just be a niche thing. Cause there are people who do that. But it was like, how do I get it to be more accessible to a general audience? And so having that time off, I realized, like, my friend who saw it in New York, she's like, you know, your show is really good, but it's really about you and your life as a recovering alcoholic. You realize that, right? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and so it takes, like, another person to, to say something to you, and then that change the whole thing because it's I mean I may, I will say some spoilers of my show but it was basically at the 2015 convention that I saw um Grace Lee Whitney had passed away just a few months before the the convention and there was a tribute to her and I saw it and I was so moved by what I heard because I found out that she was you know uh also in recovery and it really moved me. And so uh, immediately after the panel, it was a deep space nine panel. I went up to ask a question um, and <laughs> my two questions I never had prepared, like I say in the show, were taken immediately from the moderator. And all of a sudden I was being called on to ask a question. And I ended up like blurting out that, you know, I was so affected by the Grace Lee Whitney panel before and hey, I'm an alcoholic too. And I'm saying this in front of 5,000 people in this big ballroom and then everybody starts cheering and applauding. And then I realized I'm like, oh, so I guess my question is for Casey Biggs. Um, and then I just basically asked him about DeMar because that is, out of all of the entire Star Trek universe, um, that is the character that I connect with the most out of any others because they this it's an alien who's an alcoholic <laughs> like which is crazy and so basically you know him basically acknowledging that he was an alcoholic and then stopping and then basically if you haven't seen Deep Space Nine stop listening for a few minutes you know like he basically helps you know create the rebellion and the uprising against like you know the Cardassian Empire but it was and then being able to talk to Casey about that was like the best thing ever. And this woman came to find me after the panel. And it was because um, we got together, we started talking about like, uh, you know, I wonder if anybody else, you know, is in recovery at the convention because she wanted to tell me that she was as well. And then it was from that when we went to the, the convention the next year for the 50th anniversary, it was just like, you know, my friend, uh, obviously it was important for her to keep her anonymity. And I'm like, I, you know, I said 5,000 people, yo, <laughs> I have no problem being open and being the face of the group. And so we got the word out there and then uh, had it the last night of the convention. And then people came and they were just so grateful to be there. So um, and that was that was um, 
a, a, a part of the version I did at the end of 2016, but it was taking all that time and then listening to what my friend said that it was like, I took the characters away and I was just like, I need to talk more about me. And that's why I talk about my life and then how I unfortunately became an alcoholic, but then eventually got sober and then Star Trek entered the picture and that hit me. And then the way that AA and Star Trek actually combined for me. So it was, so it's really, it's taken, it's basically, it's like version 6.0 right now, but it's taken um, like literally five years now to get it to the place that it is. So it's been interesting to see, <clears throat> to see the evolution of the show and then realize I'm like, oh yeah, like I needed to do these versions first to realize what the message really was. And that's why I say the message of Star Trek and then Star Wars is like so important to me. And so that's what I tried to do um, on the stage and like have a, um, a connection with the audience in it and doing it like I've done it at the Orlando Fringe. I've done it in Denver. Um, I did a California tour of it last year. I did it in Fresno for a run at a festival and people uh, came to me after the show who were friends of Grace Lee Whitney. I had no idea that she lived in Fresno. I had no idea. And people were coming up and they're like, we were friends with Grace. And I can tell you right now, she's looking down on you and she's smiling and I'm like crying my mm -hmm. eyes out. And I got to know people who knew her. And it was just like, they were just so wonderful and kind to me. And it was just like, you never know, like you, I'm touring around cause I only started touring as a performer like two years ago and it's like a different you're struggling in each new city because you want people to come and see the shows and then because of the message in my show it's just the people that I'm meeting and that I'm connecting with it's it's taking the show to like a whole other level for me and so I obviously want to you know I want my show to do well and I would like to you know <laughs> make money back for the show for what I put into it <clears throat> but it's sorry but it's basically just being able to connect with so many, like I go into a new city and I'll hit an AA meeting there and just like being able to connect. And it's literally like, like the enterprise going to different worlds and all this stuff. And it's like, here's my first contact with California and connecting with people. And it's just like, yeah, we're all the same. Like we're different in a lot of ways, but I'm going to find an AA meeting no matter where I go. I'm going to find people that I can connect with wherever I go. We'll have our differences, but it's just like there's always something that's going to bring us together and help make our bond stronger and help us like just be better. And so learning that over the years is what I get out of it more than like just going out and like touring the show itself. It's just mm -hmm. the connections that I've made. And it's literally just like what Star Trek um what the meaning behind Star Trek is. So it's just been this amazing, very amazing trajectory of my life that I never expected to happen just because I wanted to get on a stage. <laughs> well, I, I will say that, that attending an AA meeting is beyond the scope of my life experience. But from the, I know more than a few people who have gone that route, and they've said almost the same thing is that when you're in that room... <clears throat> Everybody has a completely different background, but they know instantly they have one thing in common. And I will say I've been to a ton of Star Trek conventions, and that's almost the exact same. It's a different thing they have in common. But that the idea is that I, you might be rich, you might be poor, you might be from next door, you might be from across the world, 
but we have one thing in common and we can start having a conversation right now. So mm -hmm. it's not that unusual to try and fuse those two ideas. Mm -hmm. It's neat. And the, and the thing about going to a meeting is like, it's, it's there because it's a safe space and it's no judgment. Mm -hmm. And so it's like what a lot of us, uh, like hope, unfortunately, sometimes it's not the case, but it's like, we all come together, you know, for this one convention from all over the world for one, for one reason, because of our love of it and what it means to us. And so it's, it's a, it's a huge thing. And then when I, when I saw all the connections, it was just like a real, it was a real eye opener. And then when I say this, people are like, oh my God, but then it's Star Trek for me. But, and then I also, Weird Al Yankovic is a huge part of my life as well. Mm -hmm. We have <laughs> that in common. That's another, that's another show of mine. Um, but it's literally, it can be anything. It could be the Marvel universe for you. Cause a lot of people get like, they get a message and comfort from that. It could be Harry Potter. It could be Lord of the Rings. It could be, you know, Lego. It could be anything. It's there's, there's always, there's always going to be something out there, whatever you connect with that helps you in your life, like to make you feel good or whatever, that's great. And there's always going to be people who share the same love. And it's, it's just a really, it's a really wonderful thing. And just to find it through pop culture <laughs> is just, you know, it's really cool. You're coming up on a time crunch here and I absolutely respect that, but I'm good. I'm good actually. Okay. It's, okay. it's just, yeah. It's, okay. It's two o'clock. I got time. Okay. Well, um, I just wanted to make sure because you, you, your, your, your message and your show is about bringing in people and connecting with people who, especially people who might be afraid to reach out for various reasons. Mm -hmm. So I want to give you a chance to like, how can people get in touch with you? How can people get a hold of you either publicly or anonymously, however best suits their purposes? How can they do that? Um, they, this actually, this is a really thing at the, I'm going to say that my, I did my show, um, uh, last Friday. Oh God, the, the today's Thursday. Wow. It's Friday already. <laughs> Time is one big blur, um, in quarantine. Um, last Friday, I actually did damage gym online for the Orlando fringe. They're doing, uh, they've started doing a, um, uh, the first Friday of every month. They're now going to do, um, a couple of shows, uh, live on their Facebook page. And uh, so it was like a lottery situation again, and I was picked <laughs> as the first one. So I had a week to get Damn It Jim back on its feet. And so um, it's actually, uh, if you look up the Orlando Fringe Festival on Facebook, uh, if you scroll through videos, it's first Friday, first, oh my gosh, first Fringe Friday, first Friday Fringe, I think that's what it is. It's three Fs. First Fringe and Friday are the words. I can't remember the order. Um, but we do a little talk, and then I actually do the show. I do it in here, and I'm very washed out in the lighting because doing shows online from home, that's a whole new thing I'm learning as well. Um, but that's available for people to watch um, uh, if they want to see the show, which is really cool. People can finally see it from wherever you are in the world. Um, I'm also uh, – I have a Facebook performer page um, – which is facebook.com slash damn it, Jim polyester. And it's uh, polyester is two words. I'm also on Twitter um, at polyester gems. 
Uh, you can find me through Aaron, <laughs> um, but it's P-O-L-L-Y-E-S-T-H-E-R-G-E-M-S. And I'm on Instagram um, at Hollywood Productions. Uh, so that's a bunch. Um, but if you don't have social media or any of that, um, I have no problem giving out my email address, which is Polly's Puzzles. So it's like S at the end of each word at gmail.com. Um, cause yeah, cause when we were having the AA meeting at the convention, um, we actually hand wrote out flyers and left them at tables <laughs> all over the convention floor for people to pick up. And, um, uh, and then I was posting on Facebook groups and that, and then, uh, and then said like, you know, if you see me in the hallways, like come and talk to me, or if you can't slip me a note so I can get back to you. So I wanted, cause I wanted to make sure that there was like the anonymous and the safe thing at all times. Mm-hmm. But at the um, at the end of uh, whenever I can get back out and do my show again on stage, at the end of my show, I finish the show and then I I I let the audience know it's just like I, you know, because it, it is hard for people to come out and like to reach out for help because I know like getting walking through the door of my first AA meeting was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, I'm grateful that I did it, but it it that's the hardest step in sobriety getting through the door for your first meeting. Um, and so I let people know, and I say like, if you if you wanna reach out to me, sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger. I'm totally happy to be that person or just a sounding board. Um, and at the end, I run to the door and I give people, I don't have it here, but I give people uh, Earl Grey tea. <laughs> so I have individually wrapped <clears throat> packages of Earl Grey tea so that people can just like have a nice cup of tea later that night. But on the back, I have a sticker with my Twitter and my Instagram handle. <clears throat> and then when I was in Fresno, I realized a lot of people were older and they don't have that. So I also did them with my email address on it. And a lot of people reached me that way um, because it's just, yeah, I just want them to know that it was really important, like in the, in the, in the progress of the show that, I was creating a safe space for people and that would help. Like people would hear about the show and they're like, Oh, I don't watch star Trek. And they're like, it's not about it. It's got star Trek in it, but that's not what it's about. <laughs> like it's about something else. And so people would come and it would be like, Oh my God, like, you know, and if they leave happy, it's really, everybody who's left my show, thankfully <laughs> has been really happy to be there. And so um, I, I would hand this out so that people could reach out. And so that's why um I just, I make this all public because it is a really hard thing. And then especially with uh, most of us at home right now and isolated, it's just like I'm, I've been off work for five, five months and I, I'll like talk to people and I'll talk to people online and all this stuff. And then sometimes a one-on-one with a friend, it's too hard because I'm like, I, they're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I honestly don't know how to answer that. And it's like, sometimes if you're talking to somebody you don't know, it's a bit, easier to get things out because it's like there's no expectations and it's just natural to have all these feelings but it's just like you know it's like the the fellowship of the meetings and just like the federation itself it's just like just letting people know that you know there is somebody out there that you can talk to and it's hard to find that and so i'd like to be that person for for people if they can't find somebody you're a great example of what I do appreciate about people who are in recovery. And that is that when you ask them or they ask you, how are you doing? 
that's a legit question. It's not just filling in the dead air between the two. Like, they're going to wait for a real answer. And if you say, this was not a good day, that's, they they get that. That's yeah. okay. And that's, that's yet another thing that I think that we're, we're struggling with in this day and age mm-hmm. where we are constantly in communication, but we say very little of substance. Yeah, it's, and it's hard. It's really hard because then you'll say, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not okay. And then your friend is going to be like, oh my God, like, what's wrong? Like, do you want to talk? And I'm like, I, you know, you're like, I, I don't even know what to say, you know, and it's so hard. And it's, and it was the, you know, it's the same with asking for help with recovery. And then just now that we're all isolated inside and it's just like, even though we can connect, I can connect with you you know, <laughs> in the United States and I'm in Canada, we're, we're one time zone apart. And it's like doing my show online. My friends in Australia are able to watch it because they'd never been able to see my show before. And this connection is really great. And then when it comes down to the nitty gritty, it's just like I can talk to you and go, oh, my God, it was so good to see you. And then, you know, it ends. And then you're just, you know, it's it's the thing, like you're feeling alone and you don't know how to express it and you don't want friends to you don't want them to feel bad so it's also Mm -hmm. like I don't want my friend to feel bad because what if they're not doing okay what if they couldn't Mm -hmm. say that to me and it's we're all going through it and that's the thing but it's just it's so hard to to talk about it even though we're in an age where we connect so easily um connection sometimes is like the hardest thing ever and that's why it's so important when we're having these discussions, whether it be about a, something as trivial as a pop culture show or something as serious as a, a life-threatening illness mm-hmm. or issues in the world that we're all concerned about. And it, you have to be able to back down and say, what's going on with you? Let, let's be on the same page here. Let's keep in mind that we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And, and whatever else is going on, we got to make sure that connection doesn't get faltered. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I, you know, it's, it's tough. And so like for anybody watching, it's just like, don't, it's a natural feeling. And even though you don't think it, it's literally like we're all in the same boat. And it's literally like when I walked into my first AA meeting and I was hearing people saying things, I'm like, how do they know what I've been through? How is this person sharing something of their life that's exactly what I've been through and it's just like that you are not alone thing it's like it's so true and it's not just AA it's like everything in life which is why you know I I I just get that point out we are a federation and it's like being able to talk openly about things can only help heal us but it's and it's tough so you know if if you're struggling don't feel bad. You can't ask for help right now. You'll maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, but just know that there's people out there who, you know, who just want to help you out. But it is I just, just letting everybody know that it's tough and it's totally okay to feel that way. Okay. Well, yeah. if somebody wants to reach out to you, I'm going to have everything that you mentioned on the show notes on my website, Um Polly, thank you so much for being here. I want to talk to you more because there's a whole lot more we got to go into, mm-hmm. but we're coming up on the hour mark here and it's, I got to cut you loose. <laughs> so um, 
thank you so much for being here and I hope to have you back really soon. Oh, I'll be back for sure. <laughs> okay, we'll set that up. Awesome. Thanks everybody. Have a really good day. I would like to thank Polly for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. Before moving on to her performance, I want to do a quick community building tip here. And since we're dealing with somebody who works with their performing arts, if you do something along the same lines as Polly's one-woman show, whether that's in the small theater or on a college or you're in a big Broadway production, if you're doing something related to genre fiction and it means a lot to you, please get a hold of me. You can reach me at Twitter, at Aaron Bossig. Send me a DM, they're always open. Or send me an email at bossigpodcast at yahoo.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us at iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. And now, let's hear a quick snippet from Damn It Jim. So 2009 comes, and the first J.J. Abrams film is now in cinemas. Sometimes, there, I feel there's a rumble gonna happen in the audience. <laughs> sometimes I was like, yeah, and sometimes, <laughs> so dark in front of me, I never know what's happening, but you guys are civil tonight, it's all good. <laughs> so I, uh, I had no interest whatsoever in seeing this film, but Chris and our friend Sean really wanted to see it, and I'm like, all right, I'll go with you guys, and I'll enjoy watching you guys geek out. It's all good. So we go to the cinema, and I like sitting right at the very top, the back row, so I look down over everyone else, and I look straight ahead at the screen, and also if I want to stretch out, there's nobody behind me. So we go, and we sit there, and I am literally sitting like this with my arms crossed. Couldn't give two shits. <laughs> so I'm sitting there, and it starts, and four and a half minutes in, I'm bawling my eyes out <coughs> and 11 minutes in there's a Beastie Boys song <laughs> <laughs> all right JJ what else you got for me two hours whiz by the credits come up and the house lights raise Chris and Sean are like oh my god that was freaking awesome what did you think Polly and I was like that was amazing! And they're like, wasn't that good? I'm like, what are you talking about? It was amazing! I just lost it. I started like going around and grabbing strangers, shaking them, going, wasn't that amazing? I'm like going down the stairs, I've lost complete control of all faculties. I'm like an orangutan from the very back row, going down the stairs, like amazing, amazing! Parkouring everywhere. Chris and Sean are staying way behind. <laughs> but it was suddenly I felt that spark, like I had in the summer of 1977 with Star Wars. Something excited me again and made me feel alive for so many years later. And all of a sudden I'm like feeling it in my bones. And we walk out onto the sidewalk and now with the sunlight in my eyes, I'm like, oh, I have to walk like an erect human being. <laughs> so I get in control and we're walking. <laughs> 